A good conversation can shift the direction of change forever. Would you leave it to chance? Join the authors of Design to Change and explore this series of conversations with designers and event owners. Driven by the need and conversations with event owners and event designers who use the event canvas around the world, this series explores the depths of conversations to elevate your abilities to look and act beyond the now. Episodes are hosted by Rude Janssen, Rul Friesen, Dennis Lehrer, and Paul Rilkins, with illustrious changemakers, designers, and pioneers in the field of design and beyond. To explore these conversations and additional content, visit designtochange.online. For now, let's start the conversation. Conversations. All right, welcome to another episode on stage of the Design to Change podcast. With me today is Tim Willard, uh, who is one of the certified event designers based in South Africa. Welcome to the show, Tim. Sure. Thanks for having me, Ruth. Nice to be with you. Absolutely. So... You are a change maker that navigates, literally. Your company is called Navigate. Um, and within Navigate, you're the founding partner. You also have a background. If I scroll back into your LinkedIn profile, which many people can see and might want to connect to because we're going to put that in the show notes, they'll see that you have experience in both the you know the pharma industry with, with J&J and Pfizer and with Hilton and Nielsen and Cascade Strategy and RIR. If I name that whole thing, people might think you're really, really experienced. And you are, right? You navigate scenarios and you go into versions of thinking. And maybe to catch the breeding point, we first met through, and I'm holding up a mural mug, uh, back on the 29th of October, 2020, online in the midst of the pandemic how did that happen tim sure now that you bring that uh, to mind it's a it's a been quite a journey i guess just to say at that point when we met um i'm going to hold up something which it may be familiar but uh, just memory and that's a COVID test yeah. <laughs> uh, and and so when you think about how we kind of connected um if it hadn't been for pandemic i think we ever would have um but as relates to to what brought me to here um steve jobs uh talked about um in, a, in an address that he gave to the stanford university about how you don't join the dots going forward you join the dots going reverse so i can see lots of things that have in my history my career from consumer marketing for 10 years starting at johnson's and ending at pfizer uh, and then another 10 years building a research business and selling it through to getting out of that process and then thinking about, well, what is it that I really want to do? And and, and founding what is Navigate, um, which essentially is a, is, a, is a change design and strategy agency. Um, uh, the journey continues. And, 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 and part of um, what transpired in March of 2020 was that the whole world and my world kind of came, uh, came to a bit of a standstill when, the nature of what I do, working with leaders and teams in boardrooms, basically came to a grinding halt. Um, my community, the people that I was working with, uh, C-suite um, executive CEOs, leaders of organizations, uh, some of them very, very resistant to change, uh, weren't the early adopters. A lot of people went straight to, well, how do I survive? How do I, how do I sustain this? So as a consequence of that, um, part of my own, my own uh, approach had to change very rapidly. And one of the things that had happened was we had 
what we were doing in person. I call it now, and I think you probably talk about analog. Um, that's how we did it before. We had to move it digitally. Um, and fortunately, I, I had been playing with the tools from Mural for um, a, a few years. In fact, right in the early stages. But I, I have to be honest, I'm, I greet you from Cape Town in South Africa, like on the southern tip of Africa. Um, and so we are really a long way away from to, uh, essentially how the world, the historic world sees us. I'd like to turn that world on its head, if I may. So you just pick the whole world upside down. We're actually then at the top of the world. Cape Town, South Africa can kind of look to all the horizons across the planet. But that's going to be a long journey to try and get people to think like that. Um, and I'm, we, we try and chip away every day. But in the process of meeting Mural, um, it gave us access to tools that we could use online to continue the visual mapping, visual conversation stuff that I do with, with organizations. Um, and so I then started to craft uh, my proposition, which essentially is, 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 is strategic planning facilitation, um, using visual mapping as, as a method digitally. Um, and then, yeah, through uh, the mural network, I came across, uh, um, well, I met you, Ruth, on that, <laughs> on that uh, partner sharing opportunity. Uh, and as I say, you know, joining the dots in reverse, the, the best details. And it's, uh, it's been a tremendous journey thereafter, partly because in my value system, I'm a lifelong learner. Um, and I, I, I love innovation. I love learning about new stuff. Um, and so part of uh, the meeting of uh, you through through the mural network was, what does EDC do? Um, and so it was so inspiring that actually I couldn't help myself. And I have seen the entire network that doesn't come from an event planning uh, perspective, but uh, I'm just really excited to be part of, of what is a really, really, uh, really uh, cool, inspiring, um, an innovative group of people. Well, that's that's awesome. I was going to ask you this question first, but uh, you kind of beat me to it, um, which is the first question in the book uh, designed to change that this podcast is built on. Uh, and the question is, a good conversation can shift the direction of change forever. Now, Tim, would you leave that to chance? So <laughs> it's a great question. Um, and it, and it, it cuts both ways. But I, I suspect part of life's journey is that um, as we evolve, and some of my work is sits in, in the culture space, and I use a, a set of tools that are around measuring culture, um, part of it has to do with values and, and being conscious about the values we choose, which then delivers a culture that we see through practices and behavior. Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of, would I leave that, that to chance? Um, the answer is, if I'm not conscious of it, there's a very good chance that I might well leave it to yeah. chance. Yeah. Fortunately, um, I've had a little bit of an opportunity and uh, become more conscious and, and, in a sense, transformed towards a, a, a better, a higher level of understanding of myself. So mm -hmm. although I often fall asleep um, and I have to remind myself to wake up, um, I'm try very hard to not leave good conversations to chance. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's um, certainly what happened as a result of us co-presenting on a webinar from Mural, because uh, the way that I've gotten to know you in the conversations, it feels like a digital friendship over distance where we've had a couple of near encounters 
I know that you met another one of our podcast hosts, uh, Howie Baggett, uh, when you went skiing with your family here in Switzerland. I was off to another part of the planet. And very soon we're going to cross each other again in London, only weeks apart. But we will come to a time when we meet face to face. Um, looking at the horizons and navigating those, because that's what you you mentioned in in your practice at Navigate. And also what I find very interesting in that first webinar that you did with Mural, um, where we looked at these things from two sides. Um, I was fascinated also, we'll put the recording in this uh, link on a, one of the creative mornings that you did in the in the early days of um, COVID. You were looking at scenarios and how they might play out for people to create better stories. Now, looking at horizons of change, what's currently on your horizon of change? So what's on my horizon of change is, is probably understanding how we um, come out of the significant amount of change we've just been through as a mm -hmm. consequence of, of the pandemic. Um, and I think uh, that, interestingly, um, change makers is an example. Writing a language around event design when a language doesn't exist, I think, um, and again, I, correct me, I'm wrong, but it, I've I've done some research and really EDC is essentially the purveyors of this language of not only the canvas, but also the next iteration of design to change. Um, that lands early, um, but for you as, as the organization, as, as written rule, putting it into the world, it lands just on time. But realizing that people have to catch up and that can take what we, it can take a short while, can take a long time. Mm -hmm. It depends on the horizon in the reverse. That's that's essentially what um, what it will take before it lands and becomes. And if you think about the adoption curve, early adopters, late adopters, until finally the mass takes it on board. Um, the 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 challenge that I face, we're very very good at digital operators um, in using tools online, but in actual fact. Uh, in my experience, using the tool set that I was using before the pandemic, visual mapping and analog, in other words, working with people physically, tactilely, is still the preference. Mm -hmm. um, and I think what we've got to start figuring out is actually so um, that it's fluid. It's not one or the other, it's both. And I guess one of the things that I've spent a lot of time probably not doing, but thinking about more than doing, because, again, you've got to people have got to be ready to get it done and be prepared to be vulnerable and take risks to go there. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's how might we bring these two things together. Yeah. Um, so I was keen to embrace the and, and, and participate in the event design collective course, EDC3, was, was because it was giving me a, a set of tools and a, a way, a, a lens to actually um, consider how one might do this online. So although I wasn't necessarily designing events specifically, I was strategy processes are in the, of themselves events. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and I think that, you know, you, in fact, it will resonate. If I go back to the first, um, the opening parts of that course was that a wedding was one of the examples of it is an event. Um, and I remember that very clearly as thinking, oh, wow, okay. So any, any engagement with a, with a team, and so prior to COVID, I was working with leaders and teams to design and develop and deliver change processes, strategy process, and essentially strategy that would deliver. 
Um, and now, horizon of change is how might we augment the digital dexterity we brought with the analog legacy, but but keep the good stuff. Um, and yeah. so, and that's that's a journey. Um, and that that's probably a quest that has a long horizon of change to it. Um, and I guess the other thing just to add is, is that um, as a lifelong learner and someone who, who, who loves innovation, I'm uh, Navigate is, is, is my uh, play space and, and a sandbox that I can actually um, experiment to try things out. Um, I bring in associates where we have chemistry and it works. Um, and I choose to work with, I choose to do projects that are I'm very fortunate, I'm very privileged uh, to be able to be in that space. Um, but I think that what we've got to try and do is try and challenge clients, people that come into the space to think about how they might uh, use what we've learned through the pandemic to augment their, their process. I mean, if I think about design to change, um, one of the things that you did, which uh, was, was cutting edge, is the augmented reality piece. Uh, and I remember thinking, what are these what are these guys doing <laughs> but in actual fact again if someone doesn't blaze the trail then five years later you can't expect it to be there um, and i guess that's the one thing as exhausting as i'm sure it must be uh for for you and rule and and the team um it's it's um it must be uh it's inspired to continue that level of change uh, design and development um is invigorating and and no one who did it the same actually changed the world, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to see the outcome. You have to be able to visualize it in order to make it a reality. You know, I think uh, yeah. in a world where Netflix and Amazon Prime and um, you know future scapers can craft visual storylines that are based on narratives, I think it's really important that you know the scenarios that we have in our head. And I know that you use you know, the scenario learning processes within your uh, navigate practice. Um, one of the things that we try to do is to not just practice what we preach, but also when we put together the design to change book, it, it was put together in the form of a mastermind program. So basically um, we tested the content in an event, during an event with the participants who are already certified event designers who were also featured in the book. And as part of the curriculum, yeah. the curriculum was the content of the book without them knowing that it was a book in the making. And at the end of uh, the first cycle, uh, which was in the midst of COVID, they received a an alpha version, a personalized alpha version of the book by mail, a hard copy, um, which they got two weeks to digest. And on the third day, which was split off from the first two days, um, the content of the book was tested, tried, and 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 morphed into what then took another year, or probably 10 months of work to become the thing that it is today. But it's a book is a mere exploration of how to have a conversation between the event owner and event designer. The actual conversations are these podcasts, right? You cannot have a conversation in a book. There are worksheets, there are content elements that you can engage with. Every visual has the augmented reality video background story. Uh, or assets that are available online to make it more alive. But like you said, you have to visualize that future and the scenarios. Now, Tim, there are two scenarios that we could actually use here. And, and I know with you know scenario thinking, you very yeah. often work with four or much more complex situations. But 
One of these two scenarios has up to eight different options. Uh, so I have a question for you. Would you like to carry down the path of uh, uh, horizons of change? And I can ask a series of questions about that. Or would you prefer for us to spin the wheel and see up where see where we might end up um, as a result of that? So no pressure. You can choose either of the two. I know horizons of change has a sweet spot for you. It's also on the wheel of change. But uh, which one would you yeah. prefer? Go down the horizons of change or shall we spin the wheel? Rich, you know what? Um, I mean, I can't pretend. If I love innovation, I've got to spin the wheel. So, um, and I know whatever comes, we'll uh, we'll we'll deal with it because we've got all the smarts to do it. Go for it. Spin the wheel. All right, here we go. How cool is that? <laughs> Which one did we land on, Tim? Claiming time. We landed on Claim, claiming time. Claiming time. Claiming time. So claiming time is probably one of the hardest things that we need to do, right? From each other, but also from executive teams. People that are creating change need time from people that are uh, uh, going through the change. And so <clears throat> in chapter six of the Design to Change book, we have a worksheet. Um, and... I know, Tim, you have a copy of the book in front of you, and and, and we're actually having this page 132 and beyond. I think there are a number of questions. There's a readiness test that we're not going to take right now because I know you're always ready. But on page 146, we have got a couple of questions regarding um, how to become successful at claiming time that we're going to go through just, you know, just to give an idea of what are some of the successful failures? What are some of the learnings that we've done? Um, regarding claiming time, and these are challenging questions, right? So um, the first question I'm going to ask you is, um, what did you do previously whereby you were not being taken seriously when event owners were having the conversation about change? Is there something that you might have been doing in the past where at some point you thought, maybe I need to change how I do that? where you felt that you couldn't claim the time or you weren't allocated the right amount of time to actually do what you do best? Um, what did I do previously? So I don't want to jump to the what I did previously. My experience was a, a, a significant amount of frustration because we weren't being taken seriously. But to some extent, it kind of goes back to the point that I made before is that Oftentimes, when you're arriving where you see there's an opportunity for someone to do something different, which may deliver a better outcome, mm -hmm. um, you spend a lot of time trying to pitch the idea. And, and that's a lot of energy. Um, and to move that energy, think of it like an iceberg. Um, you are seeing someone exposed as the tip of the iceberg above the water. Um, but what's actually if I'm talking about trying to get someone to take me seriously about a change process to claim time to develop to to, to develop something new, um, see that person I'm engaging as uh, as an iceberg, and we're only engaging with the personality what we see above the waterline, right? But underneath, there's a whole lot of character, and that character is essentially um, what we need to work with, because we don't we don't move the iceberg to, to a situation where they might change their way of doing something. Mm -hmm. The water, the currents move the iceberg. 
happening. So the only way to really get that change, and again, as I say, this is after years before I became more conscious around the essence of values and culture. And trying to uh, uh, introduce new ways of someone seeing something above the waterline, right? But the reality is, is that in order to, to claim time to, to effect change, you actually have to get someone to see how they can see it themselves and change within themselves first. Yeah. And if they can change within themselves, they will then be able to then manifest the possibility of looking to a new horizon of change. Now, that was that was how I approached it before coming across the EDC. What I found even more, and this <laughs> this has become someone who has given me the Kool-Aid, so allow me to pass it back to you, is that in the claiming time or the squiggle diagram, which is in the first book um, and is kind of underpins claiming time, a lot of times we don't actually um, spend time measuring the cost of not claiming time. And so for me, EDC cohort 35, one of the significant learnings was that diagram and drawing it out to say, actually, if you're going to take up a thousand people's time and you are going to engage them for eight hours a day, that's 8,000 hours. And if you don't invest just one point percent of your time in designing, in other words, claiming time for that, then how can you give it the best chance of success? So I guess there's two answers in there. It's what I had to, what I did before, even though I was frustrated, realizing that I can't change someone unless they're prepared to shift themselves in the iceberg metaphor. But then once beyond in the new world around claiming time and EDC, I've used that model very, very successfully of, of late to say to someone, actually, I'm, I'm not going to force you to change because I can't. So recognize the iceberg's not moving. But here's what I'd like to put in front of you. This is why we need to claim time. So for me, um, going back to your question, how um, how would I have worked when, when not being taken seriously? It ended up being my frustration, I suppose. And, and when I say event, it could be a strategy process. This is, this is what we should do. Hmm. But if there wasn't readiness, the iceberg wasn't ready to move, there would be nothing. And now there's why it's the other way is, well, here's what you have to think about because if you don't invest, you can't give it the best chance of success. I love that. And the, I like the visual metaphor. I can just picture it. I'm drawing it out in my notebook here, the, the currents that move the iceberg, right? So the currents that influence whoever the leader is that wants to initiate the change uh, or that needs to guide the iceberg or needs to be guided by the currents, the currents are usually the people around them, right? It's the it's the context, it's 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 the water that surrounds them. If they wait too long, the iceberg yeah. will melt, right? Um, depending on the climate. But um, yeah. when you look at influencing the current, it's really about the context and the people around that person or that situation yeah. that you need to empathize with and 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 uh, uh, work with to create a an ecosystem of thinking together to then you know create some kind of solidarity for that group of people to move in the same direction right um, um so just take that one level so i described it in one iceberg but in actual fact if you think about the collection of people in an organization they could become one collective iceberg yeah so this is the work of ken wilbur um who talks about um you know organize individuals show up 
as characters, the internal person who ultimately shows up in the world as a personality. And that's what's above the water. That's what we can see. When we come together, the internal manifestation is the culture and the external manifestation is a society, a group. So mm -hmm. if I think about, uh, I, I, I know someone who plays the Alphorn, right? Um, and that person as an individual has a certain way of showing up, but as a group shows up collectively to make great music together. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you, if, if, if you wanted to change the organization of that, you have to go into the individual to then shift the behavior because people don't change. <laughs> or should I say organizations don't change unless people change and people don't change unless leaders change. So um, when you start talking about event owners, they're just a, a, a specific kind of people, um, but they would probably be more inclined to change through using a, the event canvas methodology if they are presented with something that says, well, this is how we like to encourage you to think about change, which is the language around horizons of change. Yeah. And yeah. which is why we need to claim time. Yeah. So let's take that to the next uh, question. And what's funny is in our worksheet, the question order and sequence is different from the way it's written in the book. Uh, that could be a okay. mistake or it could be by design. Um, question two is actually the question that's on the, um, on, on the bottom of this first page, but I'm, I'm, I'm gonna skip to the, to okay. the questions on the right. How can you and your team okay. zoom out and empathize with the event owner to address their required outcomes? So I think I think the first thing is is actually an appreciation of the need to actually have to do that mm -hmm. <laughs> um, as opposed to um, and again, going back to the squiggle diagram is that most times humans are a little bit hardwired and we've been schooled in this way to go from there's a problem, let's find the solution. Um, so we, we, we've, we work in pretty binary um, switches, problem, solution. And part of the middle bit is, and I, I've seen, I've heard this in other places, it's like this whole idea around act, plan, act, plan, act. But the middle bit, which is this, the key part, is, is the time to think, which is actually where claim time comes in. So how do you zoom out? Well, the first thing is you've got to claim time. You've got to create the space for claiming time. Mm -hmm. And in the claiming time, uh, convey the message that in order for you to allocate the time for us to do this, you've got to be prepared to zoom out, which is you've got to be prepared to suspend some disbelief. You've got to be prepared to trust the process and you've got to be prepared to, to see the world different. <laughs> and if you're not prepared to do that, that's okay. Now, to come back to your earlier question, for many years, for me, it was very frustrating because I wasn't conscious of this, but why can't you see? And I think to the point we said right in the beginning, a lot of what you do is, uh, and, and, and your writings is, is, is future looking and in the future, people have to catch up. But those that are ready to catch up um, will will slowly become a, be awakened. And part of that also is trusting the process. And the key part is that you have a process. And the second key part is the first word, which is trust. And trust is trust is a very fragile and delicate thing. Uh, in my experience, trust doesn't come in a plastic bottle. So you have to work really, really hard. <laughs> As, a, as someone who's a, who wants to be working in the change space to realize that 
if you break trust, it's very, it's possible, but quite difficult to put it all back together again and for the container to be reconstructed. But that's then gives us the empathy part. So it's, it's, it's a few pieces that help to support how we get to then the language of zoom in, zoom out. Yeah. So when you're on a, in a situation where um, where you wanting to do this, right? What you do at Navigate, or you wanting to apply event design, or you wanting to claim the time, but you got pushback. Yeah. What are some of the buttons that you were pushing, or that you're currently pushing to get what you need? So again, there's a bridge of consciousness that's come. But what I would have been doing before is you, 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 you're talking about, okay, so what's high stakes, right? And um, we can't leave this. We can't leave this to chance. <laughs> so like a, like a conversation is important. We don't want to leave it to chance. You need to surface in that, in that event owner or um, that stakeholder's mind sorry not to not, not to bring in different language stay with the event owner you need to surface in that event owner's mind of the importance of of this but mm -hmm. i guess i guess you can do so much um and part i think of of where um i probably had more success using approach and perhaps also even more so designed to change as a as an addition to the language is being okay that it's not me, um, that it's actually, it's maybe it's just not meant to be. And if you, if someone's prepared to engage a high stakes challenge and they want to do it and go alone, well, I give them my blessing, good luck. <laughs> yeah. But obviously that comes with a parental guidance that I've, I've given you as much as I can, but from here on out, I can't, I can't, unless you prepare to shift your position, I can't help. Yeah, yeah. that's that's a um that's something that i really the human condition i've also come from a world my family of origin i was i was brought up in a household where um quite traditional in a southern african context um, children were seen and not heard we showed up to um to do to do right if we didn't we were punished <laughs> we won't go into that but but the point is, is that that was very much around a combined control. Yeah. So it's not nice to necessarily be ignored or not be um, taken seriously. But the reality of it is, is that at some point you have to be conscious with actually, I'm okay and I've done enough. Now, interestingly, yeah. once you get to that realization, actually things all of a sudden start to fall into place because it's not a cell anymore. Now it's, now it's, really just an offer and um i guess last point is i'm inspired by the i might pass this way but once if i can do some good let me do it now because i might not come this way again yeah um yeah. and so some of the things i do i find myself doing them and really they might be for, for for no value for no reward because that's really some of the things i do are for for real value for the simple reason that some things that have no value are seen as valueless by the other. And so there has to be a cost associated. <laughs> there has to be something um, 
because if there's not a trade, then there's no value seen by the recipient. Deep stuff. I think this is very, this is very powerful what you're saying right there, because I know that, uh, and we've talked about this a bit, if if you haven't um, come across this, but this is one on on my um, uh, wish list, um, you're, you're involved in uh, a series also of, of things where you donate your volunteer time for the good and advancement of things you care about. One of them is um, mountain biking and the Cape to Cape uh, uh, journey that's been around for quite a number of years. Um, we'll let you talk about that a little bit. And then also uh, the other day you in, uh, introduced me from your University of Cape Town, the activities that are being organized and deployed there. Now, I want yes. you to keep those two scenarios in your head for a moment Yes. when we're answering this next question. Um, okay. And maybe cite some examples or if you feel comfortable looking at it from your own perspective. When you run into the claiming time question and you're unsuccessful, is your event owner yes. not ready or are you as the event designer not ready? Wow. <laughs> so I don't want to be... be um be offensive here but it depends <laughs> <laughs> so so i guess the the other way of looking at that is um from a legacy marketing perspective is there a gap in the market or is there a market in the gap um so sometimes um event owners are just not ready to be uh, to go there for whatever their reasons are. Um, but oftentimes also I might be projecting, if I'm thinking about a, a situation where take I'm involved, you mentioned the cycle tour. So the Cape Town Cycle Tour Trust uh, owns, I'm a trustee of that trust that owns the largest timed event in the world, the Cape Town Cycle Tour. I'm also blessed to have done it 30 times. It's 109 kilometers around the Cape Peninsula. And if you've not done it, it's definitely something to think about doing. Um, if you're from around the world, we have a number of entrants from all over the world. Enough of a punt on the cycle tour. Come back to the, <laughs> the question, and that is that I see there is a need for us to change um, some of how that event has been built over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I believe, and I, uh, obviously I'm projecting my own biases into, into it, but in actual fact, it's not just one of us, it's the sum of us all trustees who've got to be aligned um to to the to the um to the need to design for change and so oftentimes that that's what you're up against but there will come a tipping point and i think it's just about timing so to come back to your question is it about possibly me being someone who wanted to be considered as the event designer wanting to redesign or the collective of my cohort of trustees who are the event owners not wanting to change um I come back to it depends. Um, the other um, the, the 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 situation as relates, funnily enough, you mentioned the University of Cape Town. So, in that scenario, what we are, I've been invited to participate in is a is the event, and it is a real event coming up, the 80th celebration of what is. It's a. Um, it's 80 years old this year um, and the University of Cape Town Medical School set this up as a way to 
in the old South Africa provide services to the communities of the Western Cape, volunteer services. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, but one of the hotbeds of change in South Africa, the design of the new South Africa was actually the University of Cape Town. So in the mid to late 80s, when I was a student there, uh, student protest, student activism, um, some of the stalwarts of, of the struggle uh, of, of, of folk that I was at university with at the time. So this, the um, Shawco is what the organization is called. Shawco are wanting to have this 80th event. And I, I was contacted to say, well, I believe that you could uh, bring a new lens um, and there's an event owner who's saying, well, we, we, we think we want to have a, have a, a, a banquet. And I've said, but have we actually considered all of the stakeholders? Have we considered um, the, the stakeholders and empathized with all of them from their individual points of view? Who are the stakeholders? One of the stakeholders is actually the city of Cape Town. Um, and obviously it's a nonprofit organization. So one of the things that, that, could flow from this is if the city became more involved as a key stakeholder, if they were identified, in fact, as a stakeholder, there would be an opportunity to access resources from the city in a much more intentional way. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's exciting. Now, again, not getting straight into the event design and being part of the design team, but I can already start to see that bringing the language of EDC into the mix is, is going to going to shift the direction of travel in this specific case. But your question about design or event owner, this was a situation where the event owner wasn't ready, was looking for something different. Uh, I wouldn't say wasn't ready, was ready to, to look at an event, but wasn't sure what they were getting. And now absolutely excited about what the possibilities are for looking at this specific event from a, a, an event design or event canvas perspective. So that's very exciting. And so, 80, years, uh, 80 years is a legacy to reckon with, right? So... Sure. Um, um, I'm actually going out to visit my present uh, parents uh, on on Friday. Uh, both turned eighty this year. So that's a respectable yeah. age where yeah. uh, you have respect. You know, my dad likes to joke. I only have respect for age when it's under a cork. But eighty years old is a significant age where you have to think about what it means, right? And and Shaco, just for those of you that are wondering what the acronym stands for, it, it's it's a Student Health and Welfare Centers Organization. Uh, it's South Africa's largest student-led NPO in Africa, so a not-for-profit organization. Um, and after 80 years of doing what they do, there's a significant dent that they're making in um, in the way that students can contribute to this, right? So um, I think that type of work, right? I, I think what you said, value and cost, opportunity cost, the trade-off between the two, the gap is really where the value perception or actual value creation is. Um, and I think in that multi-stakeholder complex environment, because over time things change, right? And you have deeper insights and you, you've seen a snippet of the 80 years, right? Yeah. Um, um, that's a very fascinating space to be applying your scenario-based thinking, your event design skill, but also your ability to contribute because you're asked for a reason, right? You mentioned in an earlier conversation that from the early days you were you know, during the 90s at the University of Cape Town, you were part of, you know, remember and give, right? Having, yeah. you want to contribute to how these things are being built. And so your legacy is also, I think, in, in, in seeing its evolution and being part of a part of the story. I wanted to make yeah. sure that it continues beyond those 80 years successfully. 
Yeah. So interesting you say remember and give. So the, the, that stands for RAG and RAG is the was the student organization. Um, so I'm a commerce graduate um, and I was an active participant in RAG as mm -hmm. a fundraising organization at, in my student days. Um, I was on the executive in 1991, probably a long time before most of the listeners were even born. But be that as it may, um, the, the opportunity here for me, and that's one of the reasons why uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited by the opportunity to bring in um, the language of event design, particularly to this, this context. But I also think that um, I look to back to horizons of change is that the, um, the overarching, the arc, um, that in in 80 years time, what might this look like? Um, I, I don't know, but I'm I would like to be starting to think that the conversation we're going to have around design um, will start to at least get people to think about that there is more than just every year, but actually the next horizon of change, maybe five years. But I think what's probably worth <laughs> mentioning is that uh, there's some pretty um, pretty influential people that are going to be part of the design team. The chair of the board is on the university council. Um, and so I'm, I'm really excited because again, I, I know, and I know this is something for the event design um, collective uh, that universities are the future of design and change. <laughs> so, and I, I, I concur with that 110%. Um, so for me, it's, that's, that's pretty exciting. Um, but again, if, if uh, we'll stay tuned because um, we're going to we're going to run through a process. And interestingly, I must add this now because now it's relevant to change and my horizons of change is that this process is going to be digital. <laughs> we're going to do it online for the simple reason that there are five trustees that operate the funds for Shawco from Australia, New Zealand, Canada, the United States, and the United Kingdom, and. We want them in the room so they can be part of the language of change so that they can actually start to be, feel onboarded to how this event plays out. Yeah. Um, and we've already just started noodling with the ideas as, as you can imagine, design folk and innovators want to, I think your language is you want to geek out on the, on the event early on. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's already started to shift to, it's not going to be a banquet. It's actually going to be at the university of Cape town theater complex. Um, there is a, we have a, a, an auditorium, a massive auditorium, one of the, the second biggest in Cape Town, the Baxter Theatre Complex, and it's on the university. The performing arts, um, the performing arts studios is housed. The performing mm. arts faculty is housed. Yeah. It could be even a 24-hour event over time where it's in an auditorium and we're panning in and bringing in people from the community um, on a live stream of, of people working in clinics. It started in health. It's now law as well as education. So there's yeah. the the giving educational opportunities through volunteer student services to uh, less fortunate than themselves, both in health, both in education and in and legal services. Yeah. Um, and and in a, in the country that I uh, that is on my birth, um, it, it we're a really interesting place. Um, but it's it's a good story, uh, and hopefully it will be a great event. Awesome! I see that your idea quarantine is already seeping and filling with massive <laughs> strokes of ideas. I'm curious to ask Tim because what people don't see, um, because this is an audio only podcast, is that behind you 
Um, What I initially thought was a snowman is probably an iceberg, if I'm not mistaken. And the other image that I see besides there, I'm guessing is the whale, uh, uh, the tail of a whale, or am I mistaken? No, I I wish I could move my camera. So um, this is a a local artist, um, David Kayos, who does pretty funky stuff. And my kids gave me these two art pieces, the the one that looks like an iceberg. Now it's beautiful that you say that it's actually, it's a, it's a dog. I'll take a a close up picture and I'll send it to you. And the other one is a, is a flight, but they caught, they cartoon caricatures. um, And they, they both have significance um, for my, my two, my, my uh, prize. Yeah. My, my, my daughters so but lovely that you picked up on that but it's great how let's say the mind needs to work for its lunch right so in a world where our lenses and cameras have you know depth of field focus the background yes. is more blurry than the foreground and yes. as we were talking about icebergs i'm starting to see that even in the fuzzy picture an iceberg that is actually a dog <laughs> uh in a yes. in a in a in a in a very different context right so it just goes to prove the point. The picture doesn't have to be crystal clear yet. Yes. Um, yes. I think it's about allowing yourself the time to think it up and to start outlining yes. what it means in practice. And um, I, for one, I'm very curious to see how this is going to pan out. There's two questions that I'd like to close off our onstage part with. Uh, they're sure. quite easy to answer, actually, uh, Tim. Uh, but they are like a public commitment to, uh, you know, to... Uh, uh, to what people can expect from you. One of the questions is, would you be willing um, to give a very short synopsis written answer in the worksheet that we have just gone through, which is, uh, you know, the pages on the book and we'll send you the link and then we can add that to the show notes so people can read back the synopsis answers almost sure. as an executive summary on how to claim time on these questions. So that's sure. the easy question. The harder question okay. is the second one, which is, um, we invite some of our guests to join us one year down the line, what we call the year plus one podcast. Yes. And the year plus one podcast has as purpose to create the contrast between the here and now, which is on the 30th of August, 2023, and year plus one. And looking back, like you mentioned, what Steve Jobs said, hindsight, you can really pull together the braiding point, you know, and see all of the different uh, weaves that came out of it. Uh, would you be willing to join us next year to have a look back at where you are on the horizons of change at that moment in time? But just so I've got just clear, are, are you claiming time? Yes. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Um, because coming back to the iceberg um, is that I know that part of my own personal growth is, is the reflection. Um, we didn't spend a lot of time on it, but this idea around think time, and reflect time yeah. um, because I was a very successful corporate guy for 10 years and I was just an executor. Just think, do, think, uh, sorry, wrong. No, do, um, plan, do, plan, do, plan, do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the third part of that was actually the thinking part or the reflection part or the quiet time. Um, but uh, as an anxious overachiever, corporations love me because, you know, what is it you want to do? Well, don't worry, I've got this. We're just going to yeah. plan it. We're going to do it. Yeah. Um, and I've fortunately evolved. So I'm very, it'd be, it'd be great. And I will probably then have to go and review my own podcast and hope that I'm consistent, authentic to what I said. Exactly. Pleasure. Yeah. Consider we've, time claimed. We've uh, we've uh, bottled up this, this moment in time uh, successfully. Uh, three years that we've been um, 
connected and having fantastic conversations. I want to thank you for that, Tim. I also want to thank our listeners for indulging claiming time, right? Because claiming time takes time. You have to learn how to claim time and claim the right amount of time. I think that's that's critical. So thanks for staying with us uh, during this onstage podcast. If you want to hear the nuggets about think time and reflect time, and about value and cost trade-offs and gap in the market and the market in the gap, join us backstage uh, in just a second. And we're going to talk about all the stuff that isn't in the book and that is even more fun. (laughs) Thank you, Tim, for being part of this uh, onstage experience for now. Thanks, Ruth. It's been great. This has been another episode of the Design to Change Designer Conversation Series. Explore these conversations and additional content at designtochange.online. Want more right now? Tune into the backstage episode of this conversation and hear what the experts discuss offstage.